This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Before we jump into the message uh, this morning, I do want to, to speak to some things that are going on in our world today. Uh, we as Christians trust in the Lord uh, above everything else. We believe that God is always in control and he's never lost control, and we know that we can trust him and he's faithful. So I want to give you a couple of quick thoughts before we jump into the message for today. Uh, first of all, fearful spirit is not from God. Know this, that fear is not from God. The Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of a power and a love and a sound mind. And so fear is not from God. And so whenever you feel feel fearful, just know that God doesn't want you to feel that way. And so uh, we uh, we have faith because we trust in the Lord. Sometimes people say that faith is the opposite of fear. I don't believe that uh, at all. I believe that faith is persevering in spite of fear. And so uh, we ask God to take away our fear and allow us to trust in him more. Uh, Secondly, we know that panic is not from God. Uh, The Bible says that God wants everything to be done decently and in order. uh, And this frenzied, crazy uh, panic over uh, the last roll of toilet paper is just not from the Lord. Just know that. Uh, So uh, again, uh, I pulled up my, uh, I don't like to, to read the news too much, and so I, I, I read my Google News feed in the morning and stuff like that. No lie, the top 12 news articles this morning were about the coronavirus and everything that's going on with it. And I thought to myself, you would think that this is the only thing going on in the world right now. And so we're not going to allow that to overcome us. We're not going to allow it to, to, to take our field of vision away from the things that are really important, but we do want to be wise. So fear is not from God. Panic is not from God, but wisdom is from God. And so we should be wise. And so the Bible tells us that we should walk in wisdom. The book of Proverbs is an entire book uh, of wisdom. The book of James chapter number one says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask from God who giveth to all men liberally. And so God wants us to be wise. And so I would encourage you throughout this process to be wise. What does that mean? That means be prepared, wash your hands. Uh, if you feel sick, stay home. Don't spread it with anybody else. Uh, somebody reminded me that something I'd said a couple of months ago. People have a funny way of doing that, don't they? Pastor, I remember a couple of months ago, you said, if you feel sick, you can be sick at church too. And I said, did I say that? And they said, yeah, you did. And I think it was on, uh, you know, Sunday, February the 17th. It's just like, good grief. Um, Oh, she paid attention to everything else I said like that. Uh, But uh, I said, okay, then I take that back for a minute. Okay, if you're feeling sick, stay at home. Don't spread it around. Uh, We're doing a couple things differently after the service. Usually on Monday afternoon, we'll upload the messages from Sunday to our podcast. Uh, Right now, what we're doing is immediately after the service, we're going to upload those online. So if folks miss the service, they can get uh, caught up on a Sunday. And so I think that's going to be helpful and stuff like that. But just be wise. Uh, If you feel sick, don't bring it to church and spread it around. Uh, Wash your hands. You should have been washing your hands anyways, okay? Just, just let me say that right there. Uh, we've always had hand sanitizer in the, the back by the doors, so, so feel free to use that. Uh, we're not hugging, we're not handshaking, we're elbow bumping uh, and things like that. And somebody even told me, he said, Pastor, did you know that most people cough in their elbow and so the elbow bump could actually be worse than a knuckle bump? I don't wanna hear stuff like that, okay? Uh, so, because here's the thing, for me, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I have, uh, 
a compulsive uh, personality, I guess you could say, and I'm a, a borderline germaphobe anyway, so telling me things like that, not helpful to me. So, uh, But uh, just be wise is what I'm saying throughout this process. Uh, again, you know, we're not gonna to get caught up in the panic and things along those lines. We know that God is in control and we're just gonna act in wisdom. But finally, here's what else is from God. Peace is from God. And peace is not the absence of trials. Uh, sometimes people think that the word peace is the opposite of war. But peace is actually being at rest knowing that God is in charge. Uh, I'm not going to sweat this because I know that God is sovereign. I know that God has a plan in this. And hey, look, if it's my time to go from the coronavirus or because I get hit in the crosswalk, it's my time to go, simple as that. But again, I want to be wise. I'm not going to walk in the crosswalk when it's got the flashing red hand, okay? Uh, I'm not going to ride in a car without a seatbelt, you know? I'm not going to ride a motorcycle without a helmet. I'm just going to be wise, you know? But when it's my time, it's my time, and God is sovereign, and I am at 100% peace with that. And so uh, we're not going to get into a frenzy. We're not going to get into a panic. We're just going to trust the Lord. And, and understand if by next Sunday we say, hey, we're going to online services, that's not because we don't trust the Lord. It's not because we're not being wise. It's because we want to make sure that we are walking in wisdom. And so uh, again, I'm not an expert on infectious disease. And so I'm going to listen to the folks who are experts. And if they say that we shouldn't have church, we won't have church. Uh, some Folks uh, in certain states, the governors in, of the, the states have asked that they, with a gathering of 250 or less that they not meet. Uh, for us, we're actually under the criteria. So we actually, uh, under the thresholds, we can keep having church, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but we've got a couple of things that we're trying to figure out. Uh, I've even uh, kicked around the idea of maybe having multiple smaller gatherings throughout the, the Sunday so that everybody gets the opportunity to still come to church and fellowship. And uh, maybe it's in a group of uh, 25 to, to 50, something like that. I don't know what we'll do. We'll do something, but we're going to walk in wisdom through this. We're not going to panic. We're not going to sweat it. Here's something that our president did, did do this past week. He declared today a national day of prayer, and I think that's incredibly wise uh, because at the end of the day, we can wash our hands all we want to. We can stay out of uh, public all we want to, but the number one thing that we as Christians need to do is to pray. And so what we're gonna do right now uh, in our services, we're gonna have a time of prayer. And so how this is gonna work is this. I'm gonna have uh, one of our men uh, start us off. Uh, Anton is one of our ushers in the back. I'll actually have him start us off. We're gonna pray. If you wanna pray today, you can do that, but you get to pray. Here's your limit, one sentence. Okay, this is not the time to pray the Psalms. Uh, this is not the, the time to pray for Aunt Gertrude's cat who has this hairball that's been stuck in his throat for two weeks. Uh, this is not that time. This is a time to pray for our nation, pray for uh, health, uh, pray for God's blessing, things along those lines. But you get one sentence, okay? And anybody that wants to, man, woman, boy, or girl can stand up, pray one sentence. Uh, when everybody had, that wants to pray has had the opportunity to pray, I'll wrap us up with a word of prayer and then we'll jump into the message for today. Already got that? Don't make me get the, the hook out and hook you when you get your more than one sentence out, okay? Uh, so again, uh, so we'll have a time of prayer. Uh, again, the most important thing that we can do right now for our, our nation is to pray. And pray that God will be glorified through this. Father, we love you. We thank you for being so good to us. We thank you for your blessings that you poured out upon our nation. And we pray that you would keep our eyes fixed upon you during this time. God, in times of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, you are our rock that is always unchanging. Uh, you've been faithful and you will continue to be faithful. And I pray that you'd help us to trust you more, strengthen our faith during this time. I pray we as a church would have a greater opportunity to have a gospel witness in our city as a result of times like this. And I pray that you would help us to uh, continue to be soul conscious. I pray that we would spread a message of faith and peace during this time. Father, we love you and we trust in you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Also, today's an exciting day for us as a church family. Uh, today's our building offering, and so we're taking a special offering today uh, at, the, at our offering time uh, for our building uh, fund that we have. We're praying that one day God would allow us to buy this building or another building here in town, and so today we're taking a special offering at the end of the service for that. Uh, if you call who we call your church home, I would encourage you to be a part of this building offering today. Also, I would encourage you to 
plan out how you can be part of our building fund giving in your regular tithes and offerings throughout the, the month. And so uh, for our family, we'll make a commitment to, to, to give to the building fund every month on top of our tithes and offerings. And so I'd encourage you uh, to do that as well. We're giving by faith, trusting that one God one day God will open us up the opportunity to be able to, uh, to purchase a building, uh, praying that God would give us this building one day, and so we want to be financially prepared for that. So that's today as well. Don't let all the good stuff that God's doing uh, be overshadowed by the current news cycle. So uh, excited about that. Grab your Bibles, turn if you would, to the book of Psalms this morning. Uh, Psalm 23, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 26 is where we're going to be at this morning. Psalm 26. Continuing our series entitled Magnify Jesus. Also, the month of uh, March is our reach month as well. We'll be talking about that this morning as well. Psalm 26. I'd also ask you uh, during this time to be in prayer and be aware of folks that will be impacted by the uh, uh, economic effects of the current uh, situation that we're going through. Uh, I believe that the greatest uh, risk that we face is not a health risk, but I believe it's the economic risk that our entire nation will face. And so be careful uh, with that, be in prayer for that, and be on the lookout for people who might have a need around you. Uh, so I want you to be hyper aware of that. We have folks in our, our church that are part of the travel industry, hospitality industry, uh, service industry, things along those lines. And all of these uh, retail industries will be impacted by this. And so just be hyper aware of folks who have needs around you. And this is our opportunity to show the love of Christ to people uh, during this time as well. Psalm 26 uh, this morning. Psalm 26, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I've trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me, and try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I've not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I've even hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. I'll wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thine house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, whose hands is mischief and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. Thy foot standeth in an even place, and the congregations will I bless the Lord. We've been taking a look at since the beginning of the year, magnifying Jesus in our life, and today we're taking a look at how we can magnify Jesus with a clean heart. Uh, we're taking a look at Reach Month. This month, the month of March, is our time to reach out to other people, and I would encourage every single person to find time to spend with one other person this month for the purpose of sharing the gospel. The whole purpose that you're getting together, grab coffee, take them to lunch, have them in your home, uh, spend time with them for the purpose of sharing your faith. We've given you some tools and resources to help you do that uh, this month. Uh, we have our invitations to church, our Easter invitations. You should have those in your bulletin today. Uh, has our times of our services on the back, uh, left-hand corner of that, uh, our Good Friday service on Friday, uh, the April 10th at 7 o'clock. Then we have our uh, Easter celebration on April the 12th at 10 a.m. And so I encourage you to invite somebody to that. Uh, also on the back of that card is the gospel, the most important news anyone will ever read or hear in their entire life. And I want to encourage you to be faithful in getting those out uh, this week. We also have some books on the back table called Paid in Full. Uh, the Paid in Full books is a story of the gospel. It's a, a book that you can give to someone to read first. Further. Hey, uh, I want you to read this book here. It'll tell you more about how you can know for sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. Uh, maybe you had the opportunity to give a brief gospel presentation, but this book gives a little bit more in depth. I always tell people this book here, uh, I think I have one. Yes, I do. 
always tell people, uh, this book right here uh, is a short book. Uh, it has small pages. It has large print. fairly easy to read. You can probably read it in about an hour or so if you sat down and read it. But it's the most important thing you'll ever read in your entire life. Why? Because it's the story of what Jesus has done for you. So we have these available for you on the back table as well. Also, uh, yesterday we had our Sharing Jesus evangelism training that we had. We had a group of about 15 or 20 so folks uh, came and learned how to share their faith better with folks. If you're interested in how to share your faith better, see me. I've got some tools and resources I can put in your hands as well. But the key is, is that we're faithful with what God's given us. Uh, Reach Month is driven by the Great Commission. Five times in the uh, uh, first four Gospels and the book of Acts, we're commanded to go and tell people about what Jesus has done for them. And so the whole purpose behind what we do in Reach Month and really the whole purpose of what we do as a church is driven by the Great Commission to go when baptized teach. And so those, those are the four parts of the Great Commission and Reach Month is us going and telling people about Jesus Christ and hopefully seeing them come to faith in Jesus Christ and then getting them plugged into a church family where they can grow and learn about Jesus more. And so Reach Month is driven by the Great Commission. But the message of Reach Month is this, the message of the gospel. Uh, the word gospel literally means good news. And the good news is this, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of mankind. It's the most important message anyone will ever hear in their entire time here on planet Earth. It's the message of the church. Uh, It's really the message of the Bible. The the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is that Jesus came to save sinners. And that's the message of this church. That's the message of the gospel, the message of the Bible, and it drives everything that we do. I would encourage you each week when you come to Who We Call to be on the lookout to listen for the gospel. We talk about it every single Sunday of the world without fail. Uh, And I hope you'll pick up some things that you can share with other people or hear how uh, I share it on Sundays and incorporate that into the way that you share it as well. I hope it'll give you a familiarity with the gospel, an understanding of it, so that you can pass it on to other people. If it's up to me to get the gospel out to our city, we will fail miserably. But if every person here can be empowered to take God's word to your workplace, to your street, to your community, to your friends, to your family members, we can get this done. And so I want to encourage you to be faithful with the gospel. The message of the gospel is really simple. First of all, God loves you. Everything starts with God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everything starts with God. God is perfect. God is holy. God is without sin. And God loves you fiercely. But the problem is, is that man is sinful. We've sinned against the holy God. We've broken God's commandments not once or twice, but again and again and again. Because of our sinful condition, it's created distance between us and God. God cannot come close to us because of our sinful condition. We cannot come to God because of our sinful condition. If we die in our sin and go to heaven, God can't allow us into heaven because we cannot bring our sin into heaven. Sin must be paid for. And the Bible tells us that there's only one way for you to pay for your sin, death. The wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. Not just a physical death, we're all gonna die a physical death one day. But the Bible speaks of an eternal death that comes uh, at the end of time. Uh, The book of Revelation, chapter number 20, speaks of this and calls it the second death, where all those whose names were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. This is how we pay for our sins on our own. You die and you go to hell, that's your payment. And God would say, your account is settled at that point, but you're gonna stay in hell for all of eternity. 
That's the worst news in the world that anybody could ever hear, so where's the good news in that? The good news doesn't stop with man. The good news starts with Jesus. God is holy, righteous in every way. Man is sinful in every way, but Jesus was God. Jesus is God and came to this earth for one reason and one reason only, to pay for our sins. Jesus came, he lived a perfectly sinless life. He never sinned one single solitary time so that when he went to the cross, he could pay by his death. Remember, the wages of sin is death and Jesus could make that payment on my behalf and on yours. The Bible says in Romans chapter five, verse number eight, God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I was supposed to die, Jesus died in my place. You are supposed to die, but Jesus died in your place. God, man, Jesus. Here's the most important part of the gospel, response. You gotta make your own decision. I can't make it for you. I wish I could pray a prayer over you and you would get to go to heaven because of that, but I can't. There's no such prayer to be prayed. I wish I could do something so that everybody could go to heaven, but I can't and you can't either. It's a personal decision. Your parents can't make it for you. I've met people before who so, say, oh, I know I'm going to heaven when I die because my, my mom prays for me every single day. Your mom cannot get you to heaven with all the prayers in the world. Well, I, I was a member of so-and-so church and it was pastored by this really famous pastor. I don't care who your pastor was or what church that you went to, it cannot save you and cannot pay for your sins. Well, I was baptized in the Jordan River. You can be baptized in the same river that Jesus himself was baptized in, but the baptism will not save you from your sins. Well, what can save? It takes two parts from you. Faith, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he died for my sins and repentance. I'm asking for forgiveness of my sins today. That's the only way that you can be saved. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for your sins, you cannot be saved. If you're not willing to say that you have been wrong in your sinful condition and turn from your sin, you cannot be saved. There's no magic prayer you can pray. There's no religious practice that we can have. Uh, you can come down to the front and you can have 100 people lay hands on you. That will never save you. The only thing that can save you is faith and repentance. And it's as simple as this, saying to God, God, I know that I've sinned. I realize that Jesus died for my sins and I'm asking you to forgive me and save me from my sin. Romans chapter 10 says, if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that we can be, here's a good Bible word for you, saved. Do you know for sure that you're saved? You can't go to heaven without being saved. The word saved is used synonymously with a phrase that Jesus used called born again. John chapter three, verse number three, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You cannot get to heaven without being saved. It doesn't work that way. You can be the best person in the world. You can uh, have all types of religious works. You could have been baptized a hundred times. It doesn't matter. You cannot go to heaven without being saved. You know for sure that you're saved. You have to make that decision. I can't make it for you. You have to come to faith. You have to come to repentance. Nobody else can do that for you. But for me, when I was a nine-year-old boy, I came to faith in Jesus Christ and repentance of my sin. And I was saved as a nine-year-old boy. And here's the great news about being saved. The Bible says once you're saved, you're adopted into the family of God. And once you become a child of God, you never lose that sonship or daughtership. You're God's child forever. And you say, well, what if I decide to go back to my sin? What if I never go back to church? What if I uh, 
get involved in XYZ sin, am I still saved? If you decide to turn your back on God and, and live a life of rebellion, you are just a rebellious child that breaks your father's heart. But you're still a child. Nobody can take that from you. Now, I don't, I don't want to live a rebellious life that breaks my father's heart. I want to live in obedience and righteousness to God. Uh, Romans chapter 6 says it this way. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Wait, wait, wait. You came to Jesus to be set free from your sin. Why do you want to go back to it? That makes no sense whatsoever. So sometimes people say, well, if I sin again, can I still be saved? Yeah, but why would you want to? Well, if I continue to practice this sinful uh, lifestyle that I lead, can I still be saved? Sure, but why would you want to? Can I go back to my false religion? <laughs> I guess you could, but why? Because Jesus came to set you free from your sin, from false religion, from yourself. And you're free to live a new life. That's the gospel. God, man, Jesus response. And that's the message that we have. Again, if you get one of our invites, you flip it over in the back, there's five steps there. God loves you. Everybody sinned. Sin has a price that must be paid. Jesus paid that price. Put your faith in Jesus to be saved. That's it. It's the story of the gospel. That book, Paid in Full, just talks about it to a little bit more detail in it. That's the message of the entire Bible, believe it or not. Jesus came to save sinners. And that's why that's what drives us as a church. That's what fires us up. That's what gets us out of bed in the morning. That's what gathers us together on Sunday because we've got a job to do and we need to be equipped to get that work done. This is not a place to come for us to enjoy fellowship just for ourselves. This is not a place to come on Sundays, sing some songs, high five with a couple of people and go home. This is a place where we come to get the training and equipping we need to go out and change the world. That's what this whole thing's about. So Reach Month is just being intentional with that. I'm gonna find one person this week that needs to know Jesus, one person this month that needs to know Jesus. I'm gonna to try to grab coffee, have them in my home, grab lunch with them for the explicit purpose of sharing Jesus Christ with them. Now, as we take a look at our text this morning from Psalm 26, here's a really critical thing you need to understand. Before I can help someone else, I need to make sure that I'm spiritually healthy. If you've ever flown on a plane and you listen to the safety briefing, they'll tell you that if you're traveling with small children, make sure that you place your oxygen mask on first and then help others, right? My wife, uh, pr probably 15, 20 years ago, says, I would never do that. I'm gonna take care of my kids first. I'm gonna make sure that they're taken care of first. You can't help our kids if you're passed out on the floor. You've gotta help yourself first. And sometimes we, in a... I. We have the idea that we want to, you know, put ourselves on the back burner and take care of other people. You can't help other people if you're not healthy yourself. So I've got to make sure that my life is right with God first so that then I can help other people. That's why for me, every single morning at uh, 5 a.m., I get up and I spend time in the Word and time in prayer because I need to make sure that I'm on my game so that I can help other people today. Because if I don't take care of me, I can't help other people. On my prayer list, you took a look at my prayer list. Very first thing on my prayer list every single day is for myself. You say, well, that's awfully selfish. If I'm not where I need to be, then I can't help other people. I pray for myself first, and the first thing I pray for myself is wisdom because the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally. And so for me, first thing on my list, I take care of me spiritually. First thing on my prayer list, I pray for myself. 
spiritually because I need it so that I can help other people. That's why uh, Psalm 26 here starts off, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. The interesting thing is he asks God to judge him from the very beginning. We need to understand that personal cleansing is a necessary prerequisite for acceptable worship and usefulness to God. You want to worship God, you want to be used by God, you got to be clean first. It's a prerequisite. It requires us, first of all, to check our own heart, make sure that I'm right before God so that I can be useful to God. Because if I'm not right, I can't help other people. Or here's even worse. If my life is not right before God, I lead people astray. People begin following me because they think I'm a Christian, I know what I'm doing, but I'm actually headed the wrong direction. And I'm not only leading people, but I'm leading them the wrong direction. So I gotta make sure that I'm on point. I gotta make sure that I'm on my game. I gotta make sure that everything's right between me and God and that I have cleansed myself so that I can be of greater usefulness to God. Psalm 139, verse number 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. For me, when I sit down with God in the morning and I open the word, the first thing I pray before I open the word, God, speak to me through your word today. Second thing I ask every single time I open the Bible, God, change me through your word today. And there's times in my life where I think everything is a-okay between me and God and everybody else, and I can say to God, God, I don't know if there's anything wrong in my life, but I want you to show me if there is. And then there's other days where I go to God, and I know exactly what my failures are, I know exactly what my sin is, and I know exactly what I need to make right. But here's the critical thing, that you make it right and you stay right. Always tell people, keep a short account with God. When you make a mistake, ask for forgiveness immediately. When you sin, ask for forgiveness immediately. Repent right away. Don't think to yourself, I'll put that on the list and I'll talk to God about that tomorrow. No, 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 no. We're gonna keep it right, right now. I don't wanna keep a big, long running list of the things I need to make right with God. No, I'm gonna make it right, right now. I have to do that. The Bible tells us in, in verse number one here, God is our judge. Have you ever known somebody before who say, you can't tell me what to do, only God can judge me. It's just like, I don't think you really understand how that works. But secondly, the way that you're living and the way that you're acting, it should terrify you that God is judging you. That's not a cop out like, I can do whatever I want, God can judge me. No, no, God's already told us how he's gonna judge us and you need to get in line because it's not gonna wind up well for you. So God at the end of the day is our judge, but here's the great thing about God. God's giving you a peek at the scoring sheet to let you know how he's gonna judge you. You know, some people think that, that, that what God wants from you is this, this weird mystical thing that you've gotta unlock, like unlocking the secrets of the universe, you know? That God is so mysterious and so weird, we don't really know what he wants from us. No, 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 he's very clear what he wants from us. Obedience, worship, love, righteousness, holiness, that's what he wants. And he's judging us according to those things. God examines us by his word. This is why I, I challenge you to be in God's word every single day. The Bible is everything to us. Without the Bible, our entire faith structure falls apart. But because we have not just a good book, we have the word of God. God spoke and we actually have it in our hands. 
That's a big deal. And so we need to build our life on that. And God judges us, he examines us by his word. And if you're not in God's word, you're not being examined the way that you should. And let me just tell you this, if you're reading the Bible, you're hearing preaching from God's word and you are not challenged, something's wrong somewhere. We've had folks leave our church before. And I asked him, oh, we found another church, it's, it's, it's better suited for us. And I go, hey, to help me be a, a better pastor, explain to me what that means better suited for us. Well, every time we come to Hui College, you preach the Bible and we leave feeling crummy because of the way that we're living our life. Okay? So we found a church that, that makes people feel better about themselves and we don't leave feeling crummy. Oh, that helps me a lot, thanks. Um, here's the thing. If you don't hear the preaching of God's word and the Holy Spirit of God say to you, hey, some things you need to get right here. Hey, get back on track, come on. Hey, you're slacking in this area, pick it back up. If you don't feel that from the Holy Spirit, you need to check your heart and make sure that you're still connected to the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing, if you don't hear from the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that you can quench the Holy Spirit. The word quench means to put out. Like if the Holy Spirit uh, is speaking through you through a, an earpiece, you just reach up and you turn the volume all the way down and you don't even hear it anymore. And let me tell you, friend, that's a dangerous place for a Christian to be. If you can continue to sin against God again, 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 and not feel badly about it, and don't feel convicted by it, and don't hear the Holy Spirit talking to you, that's a dangerous place to be. When I talk with with men who have been unfaithful to their wives for months at a time. The first question I asked, are you sure that you're saved? Because Christians don't act that way. If you are saved, at what point did you quench the Holy Spirit of God? Where you don't feel badly about your sin? You don't feel badly about the immorality that you're involved in? You don't feel badly about betraying a person who should be your best friend, who you've committed the rest of your life to? You don't even feel bad about that? The Holy Spirit has been shut off in your life then. It's a dangerous place to be. If I can willfully sin against God and not feel badly about it, I put myself in grave danger. So how do we get connected back to the Holy Spirit? First of all, repent of your sin. Secondly, read the word and ask God to examine your life. Man, if you don't know where to start, just Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. God, examine me through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit at work in my life? If he is, then I will see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. I can take all nine of those and give myself a A to F report card and see how I'm doing. That's allowing God's word to examine me. When the Bible says Jesus had a man come to him and ask him, Master, what's the most important rules in all of the Bible? In all of the law, what's the most important? Jesus said this, love God with every fiber of your being and love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. On this hangs all the law and the prophets. Jesus says you can sum up the whole Bible in two, two commandments. Love God, love others. Okay, how am I doing at loving God and loving others? That's allowing the word of God to examine me. I love God. I mean, I'm in, I'm in church during the middle of the, a pandemic, right? Of course I love God. 
Well, Jesus said loving isn't based on how you feel or your emotions or even where you show up on a Sunday morning. Love is directly connected to obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. So now I'm letting the word of God examine me. Am I keeping God's commandments? Am I obeying the word of God? I say that I love God, but I'm not really examining, I'm not really obeying the word the way that I should. And so that's allowing God's word to examine me. God examines us by his Holy Spirit. And again, the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with the word of God. Let me say that again in case you missed it. The Holy Spirit always works in conjunction with the word of God, always. The Holy Spirit is a person who will convict us of our sin, will point us to Jesus, and will always point us back to God's word. The Holy Spirit is not some weird, mystical force. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not emotions. I see, I've heard people before say foolish things, uh, like, oh, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit completely envelop the room. I don't really find that in Scripture anywhere. I find where the Holy Spirit says, hey, do you remember what Jesus said? Live like it. I, I see in the Scripture where the Holy Spirit says, hey, knock it off get back in line. I see where the Holy Spirit says, Jesus is great, live for him. I see that in scripture all day long. I don't see glory dust falling from the ceiling. That's not in the Bible anywhere. The Holy Spirit is not some weird mystical thing, again, that we have to unlock the secrets of the universe. The Holy Spirit points us back to the word of God. Jesus himself in John chapter 16, verse number seven says, nevertheless, I tell you, it's expedient. It's good for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you, the comforter being the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He said, hey guys, I know you're bummed out that I'm leaving, but it's actually a really good thing that I'm going because when I go, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's always gonna be with you. And you know what he's gonna do? He's gonna challenge you when you step out of line. And the Holy Spirit is gonna bring a spirit of, I love this word, judgment. The Holy Spirit tells you when you're wrong. But you know what the problem is many times for Christians? We you just turn off the Holy Spirit. I don't wanna hear that. I don't wanna feel bad. Again, if you feel convicted of sin, that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. You know, we don't, we get a fever. It's, it's our body saying, something's not right here. Could you check out a little bit further and do a little bit more research? It's actually a good thing. Pain tells us something's not right somewhere. The Holy Spirit brings conviction to our soul and says, something's not right here. And so I love what David says in this Psalm. Examine me, O God. God also examines us by wise, godly friends. I talked to our men on Wednesday night about how we need to make sure that we filter all of our decisions through God's word, through prayer, through wise, godly counsel. And I asked the guys, why is it sometimes that we don't ask wise, godly men for advice or counsel? One of our guys said, because we haven't developed friendships with wise, godly men. Hello. <laughs> so I need to surround myself with guys that love Jesus. Angela and I love spending couple, time with other couples that love Jesus. And I need to surround myself with those people because God examines me through them. 
I have good friends who are willing to give me a rebuke when I need it. Good friends who are willing to challenge me when you, they say, hey, are you sure that's the right call? I would pray a little, bit, a little bit more about that if I were you. I need stuff like that. I need people like that in my life. And God examines us through godly friends. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Take a look back at Psalm 26, if you would. Not only does he say, examine me, verse number two, O Lord, approve me, try my reins and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes. I've walked in thy truth. Verse number four, I'm not sat with vain persons. Neither will I go in with disassemblers. I've also hated the congregation of evildoers and I will not sit with the wicked. See, we have to protect our hearts from the wrong influences. The psalmist lists four different categories of people that he doesn't want anything to do with. You know why? Because they're gonna get in the way of where he's trying to go. If you're trying to live a life that pleases and honors Jesus, there's some people that you don't need to spend time with. It's easy to say, well, you should have more godly friends. Yeah, I think I should. It's a lot more difficult to say, hey, there's some folks that you really don't need to spend any time with. That's hard. I remember when, when Angela and I first made a decision to start walking with Jesus and being serious about it. I'm not talking about showing up to church a couple of times a month. I'm talking about being serious about walking with Jesus. There were some friends in my life that I had to say, hey, we're not really traveling the same road, and so I can't spend as much time with you as we used to. It's not you, it's me. I'm just trying to go a different direction. And you know what? 95% of the guys that I had that conversation with said, hey, man, I respect that. You know, you're serious about your beliefs and you want to live it out. Because, look, you're going this way, I'm going a different way. We can't travel the same path together. Hey, look, if we fly to the mainland and we get off the plane in LAX and you decide you want to go to Seattle and I decide I want to go to Jacksonville, Florida, we can't jump in the same car together and get there. We're going two different directions. Look, if you decide that you want to be a godly man or a godly woman and walk with Jesus, you can't jump in the car with the people who don't love Jesus and don't want to follow Jesus. You're not going to the same place. So the psalmist gives us a list of four different types of people that he doesn't want anything to do with. The first of all is the worthless. He says, verse number four, I've not sat with vain people. These are people who have no qualities that would render any value or usefulness. These are... the the term vain means wasteful. These are life wasters. These are the people who bring no inherent value. And I'm not talking about, oh, this person can get me a discount at XYZ store. This person can, uh, you know, get me into uh, to a restaurant that I like. I'm not talking about value in that way. I'm talking about bringing value to you in your walk with Christ. And these are the people who will continually waste their life on the things that are not important. The vain people, the worthless, are the ones who wake up when they're 55, 60 years old and realize they've done nothing whatsoever with their life of any value. You don't want to be that person, so you don't need to be with those people either. The second category that he gives us, he used the words dissemblers, which actually means the hypocrites. This is a person who acts in a way to conceal their real feelings, motives, or behaviors, which are unacceptable. It's important to me that I explain to you what a hypocrite is and a hypocrite is not. 
because many of us sometimes we want to walk with Jesus we want to do the right thing sometimes we get hung up by sin sometimes we have a sin that the Bible says does easily beset us or get us off track and we automatically think well I'm a hypocrite I've known people who have quit on Jesus because they felt like they could never overcome their sin and they said I just don't want to be a hypocrite I talked to hundreds of people and invited them to church and they said I don't do church because of all of the hypocrites got it and maybe there's times where you felt like a hypocrite maybe you have been maybe you haven't a hypocrite is not a person who wants to walk with Jesus but is just struggling they hit a rough patch they get caught up with some stuff they're trying their best but they're continuing to try to move forward but they get caught up that's not a hypocrite that's just a regular old Christian a hypocrite is a person who knows who they are deep down inside and is purposely living a lie the New Testament word for the word hypocrite uh, means one who wears a mask. We talked about this before. You pick, you pick up your Sunday morning mask and you put that on and you smile real big and you sing real loud and you talk to folks at church and you're so happy to see everybody and you get back in the car and you take that mask off and you continue to live a fake life. It's rain, it's okay. A hypocrite is one who purposely conceals how they really feel, purposely conceals how they act. They say one thing and they're purposely living another way and hoping that this way doesn't get found out. I'm gonna try to keep this in the dark, try to keep people away from this because that's who I really am, but I'm gonna put on a front so that nobody sees. And the Bible says run from people like that, run from them. And you might be sitting here today going, I think that's me. If it is, here's good news for you. Repent of your sin and be real with God. Be real with your pastor. Here's the thing. I think nothing less of you, if you come to me and say, hey, pastor, I've been being a fake and a phony, a hypocrite, a liar. I'm sorry. Would you help keep me accountable? I got ridiculous respect for that. But when you act like everything's okay and you hide your sin and you sweep it under the carpet and then it gets exposed... I lose a little bit of respect for you because you lived in hypocrisy. I'm not saying you can't come back from it. I'm just saying that I lose respect for people like that because you had every opportunity to be real. Hey, look, I don't care what you've got going on. I don't care how bad you think it is. Oh, if Pastor knew, you know, he'd be so disappointed. Stop worrying about what I think. Start worrying about what God thinks. Stop worrying about what your church family thinks about you. Start worrying about what God thinks. God hates hypocrisy. And he says here, I don't want nothing to do with any hypocrites. And if it's you, be real today. Take your mask off, throw it away, burn it, do whatever you gotta do with it, and just live a right life before God. This is, hey, I don't wanna spend time with hypocrites. Next, evildoers. These are those who deliberately seek out to do evil. These are people who are just evil to the core. They're looking for ways to hurt people. They're looking for ways to do wrong. They're looking for ways to cause strife, division, problems, drama. He says, I don't want anything to do with them. And then he lists the wicked. These are those who are characterized by unrighteousness and godlessness. These are the people who just live rebellious lives of sin against God and they don't even care. Doesn't matter. I'm gonna live life. I'm gonna enjoy it because life is short. You only get to go around once and I'm gonna grab as much as I can the first time around. I don't wanna be around people like that. I don't wanna be around people who are wasting their life. I don't wanna be around people that are hypocrites. I don't wanna be around people that are seeking to do evil. 
and hurt people, and I don't want to be around people who are godless people. I'm going to distance myself from that because I've got to protect my heart. The Bible says keep or protect your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. I've got to protect my heart at all costs because my whole life flows from my heart. That's why we have to be so careful about what we let in our ears and through our eyes because it goes to our heart and out of that the Bible says are the issues of life. That's why I can't afford to watch R-rated movies and you can't either. I can't afford to hear foul language and you can't either. And I realize some of you say, I work with the people who cuss all the time. That's great, just limit it. I was talking to one of our men last week and he says, I'm actually looking for another job because the guys that I work with are so foul mouthed. (laughs) What? You're gonna change your job because of that? That's character. I'm gonna limit that as much as I can because I can't afford it because I gotta protect my heart with all diligence, at all costs. Got to protect my heart so I can't be with people like this. I need to be around people that love Jesus. That's why we must intentionally put, seek to put our heart in the way of positive influences. Take a look at verse number eight. He says, Lord, I've loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. You see, in the Old Testament, God had a house and it was called the temple in Israel. God didn't let David build the temple, so it would have been the tabernacle for David, but it was a place where he went, it was called the house of God. But you know what the New Testament says the house of God is? It's us. It's not this building. 1216 Waimano Street is not the house of God. The people gathered here together this morning are the house of God. And you know what he said? I love to go into the house of God. I love to be with the people of God. I love to be with other Christians. You know why? Because that's where God's honor dwells. And let me just tell you, if you don't enjoy being with God's people, I just ask God to change your heart. Because in this room, at this church, are some of the finest people I've ever known in my life. And I love this people fiercely. I love what God's doing here. It's special. Don't take it for granted. And if you don't love this place, you don't love these people, ask God to change your heart because God wants you to be connected to him through his people. I want to put my heart in the way of positive influences. We have to prioritize Christian friendships. And again, this might be new for you, but I'm just going to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone prioritize Christian friendships. Get to know other people in our church. Spend time with other Christians. The more that you do, the more that you'll be helped. I promise you that. Place a priority on it. We have to prioritize community. That's why for me, honestly, I I struggle with the whole idea of maybe going to an online-only service because I love the sense of community. As we were, were singing this morning, I thought about grace that is greater than all of our sin here in a room full of people singing that together. I thought it just wouldn't be the same if I was sitting in front of my iPad singing this morning. It just wouldn't. You know, I can look across the room and see my brothers and sisters sing, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. It is something special for my soul. And it's not the same as just hearing the song on Spotify and singing along in the car. It's just not the same. But many times we don't prioritize community. It's funny, sometimes people come, they say, well, I, you know, I like the church, I just didn't feel like I could ever get plugged in. I know, because you come 10 minutes after the preaching starts, 
and you leave before you ever even take the offering. You you never see anybody. Of course, you're never gonna get connected to anybody. And then there's other people where we have to like start shutting lights off. Like, hey, church was dismissed an hour and 15 minutes ago and like everybody's ready to go home except for you. And here's the thing, I love that because sometimes we shut the lights off and we kick people out and two hours later, they're still standing on the sidewalk out front. I love it. You know what that is? That's a commitment to community. These are my people. This is what I live for. This is where I wanna be. And we have to prioritize that. And if we have to shift to an online service next Sunday, here's what we have to do. We have to prioritize community elsewhere, whether we're sending text messages, making phone calls, sending emails, we get together on FaceTime, we get together in a group chat, we do something, we get together and hang out and have lunch. I don't know what we do, but we gotta keep community together. It's not about just hearing a message and singing songs. It's about developing family and community, and we've got to prioritize that. We have to prioritize serving Jesus through his church as well. This is a place for you to serve Jesus. The folks who stood out in the rain to help people park cars today, those are people who serve Jesus through his church. The folks who stood out uh, in the atrium to greet you on the way in with umbrellas and probably got soaked too, they did that because they wanted to serve Jesus by serving you today. We have ladies that are watching babies in nursery this morning that don't even belong to them. Why? Because they want to serve you by serving Jesus. Folks over there with, with children in children's ministry, why? Because they love Jesus and they love you and they want to serve in that capacity. We have to place a priority on those things as well. If you take a look at uh, verses uh, f- uh, four and five, sat not with the vain persons, neither go in with the dissemblers. I've hated the congregation of the evildoers, I'll not sit with the wicked. But if you look at verse number 12, he says, my foot standeth in an even place in the congregation will I bless the Lord. He talks about the people that he doesn't want to be with and you know, he also talks about who he wants to be with. These are the guys that I don't want to spend time with. These are the guys that I do. These are the gals that are going to hurt my walk with Christ. These are the gals that are going to help my walk with Christ. These guys here are out for themselves. These people over here are out for God's glory. I got to pick which crew I'm going to run with. Here's how this all this ties into Reach Month. A right life and a clean heart give me a platform to speak of God's goodness. Let's take a look at verse number seven. Actually, verse number six. It said, I'll wash my hands in innocency so while I can pass thine altar, O Lord. Now the altar is a place where one makes a sacrifice. He says, I'm gonna wash my hands completely and totally clean of any sin. I'm gonna wash my heart and make sure that everything is 100% right between me and God. And I'm gonna walk around a place where I can make sacrifices to God because it's all about you. And you know what that does? It gives us a platform to speak of God's goodness. Verse number seven, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. I can't wait to tell people how good God is. I can't wait to tell people about how faithful God's been to me. And you know what? Because I'm living a right life, I now have a platform to speak about how good God is. Hey, look, if my Instagram is full of foul language, people getting drunk, people being sexually immoral, other garbage, love for the world, love for the world's media, please don't post an Easter invite to Hui Kala. Just don't. 
You don't have a platform to do that because your lifestyle doesn't back up the message of the gospel. And you say, well, I gotta clean my social media so I can post an invite to church. No, you need to clean your social media because it honors the Lord. How about that? I wanna live a right life, not so people think the right thing about me, but so people think the right thing about the Lord. Hey, look, your name is gonna come and go. The name of the Lord stands forever. Think about that. I don't wanna hurt his name. Look, 100 years from now, nobody's gonna know my name. Nobody's gonna care. But the name of the Lord stands forever. And I want my name to help make his name even greater. And so I wanna make sure that my life backs that up. So sharing the gospel simply puts words to our testimony. When you sit down and tell somebody about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind, all that does is put words to your story that you already have. Let me tell you my story about how good God is. He's brought me through some difficult times. He's been faithful to me. I've failed him multiple times, but he is always faithful. He is my rock. He is my foundation. He is my hiding place. He is my strong tower. He is where I draw strength from. And you can know him too. He loves you and he died for your sins. And just like he's changed my life, he can change your life as well. All, all the gospel does is put words to your story that you already have. But the problem is, is if you're not living a transformed life, you're not living the way that God expects you to, you're not living a life that points people to Jesus, then your story really just brings confusion to the gospel. You see, the gospel is strengthened, strengthened by a transformed life. Oh, that's why you're different. <laughs> that's why you have a picture of your wife on your desk at work. That's why you don't call her the old lady. That's why you love your kids. That's why you take off early to take your daughter out on a date. Oh, it all makes sense now. That's why you never, I never see you drinking alcohol at all the get-togethers. Oh, it makes sense now. Because the gospel message is strengthened by a transformed life. Because I'm different. Because Jesus has made me different. Now, the message of the gospel is stronger. I think about this sometimes. There's been people before who someone has invited them to our church and they get to our church and they find out that one of their coworkers attends our church. And they're like, I didn't know you went to church here. It's like, how did you find out about this place? And I wonder to myself, would it be awkward for you if a coworker showed up to church next Sunday and you were here? Would it be like, oh my goodness, I feel really weird. I, I mean, I don't want to sing these songs because I know how I've been living at work. Or would you be like, oh, praise God, they're here. <laughs> I've been working on them for the last six months and they're here today. And they get to see not only me and how much I love Jesus, they get to see my church family and how much I love Jesus. Or would you be sitting there going, oh man, I really hope they don't talk to pastor and tell them that we work together. Would you be embarrassed by that? I hope not. And let me just say, if you would, change it today. I'm done living in hypocrisy. I'm done living a double life. I'm gonna live for Jesus now. And whatever I gotta make right, I'm gonna make it right. Because the gospel should be strengthened by your story. But you see, the gospel message is damaged by the worthless, hypocrites, evildoers, and the wicked. If you're in those four categories, you're hurting the story of Jesus. That's heavy, folks, heavy. 
And if that's you today, I don't want you to leave here feeling guilty. I want you to repent, make things right with God so that you can walk out feeling free, free as a bird. Man, that was me, but that's not anymore because the Bible says this. Here's a beautiful promise from God. I want you to listen up. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All you gotta do is confess it and it's over like it never even happened. And you get to walk out of here clean as a whistle. And you know what? That gives God glory and that strengthens the gospel message. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church three times a week for 18 years but I wasn't living a right life and I was a single adult and I became married and I still wasn't living a right life. I was playing church on the weekends and I'll tell you, hypocrite defined me to a T. And I was the type that went around and said, I don't wanna go to church because of the hypocrites. When I was a hypocrite, I was the chief hypocrite. And you know what? To change it all around, I had to do, God, I'm sorry. I don't wanna be a fake Christian anymore. Would you forgive me and help me to live right? And you know what God said? Yes, I will. And that was it. And when I talk to people, I would say, hey, you know what? I wasn't living right, but I am now. Hey, you know what? Honestly, for 20-something years, I lived a fake, phony Christian life, but I, I left all that behind, and I'm really following Jesus now. I'm trying to make better decisions. It's easy to turn the ship around. All you gotta do is confess it. Final thoughts here, and we're done today. First of all, make sure that you're 100% right with God, 100%. Clean heart. He says, hey, I've washed my hands in innocency. I've made sacrifices before the Lord. Judge me, Lord. Try the reins of my heart. As far as I know, everything's 100% cool between you and I. And if it's not, I want to make it right today. Make sure you're 100% right with God. Next, live a life that backs up what you say you believe. I talked to our men on Wednesday night, and I said, your priorities in life aren't what you say they are. Your priorities are what you live out. Group of guys, name off your top three priorities. Almost without fail, I didn't even have to look at what they wrote down. Faith, family, career, friends, whatever. Faith and family were the top two. How many of you are really living out those priorities? Three guys, maybe. Your priorities aren't what you say they are. Your priorities are what you're actually living out. And you know what? What you believe isn't what you say you believe. I believe that Jesus can change any old sinner. Really? Are you living that way? I believe God expects us to live in holiness and righteousness. Really? Are you, are you living that way? Because what you believe isn't what you say you believe. What you believe is how you live. And I want to live a life that backs up what I say I believe. Next, live a life of repentance. You need to become a professional repenter. Repent means to turn from and turn to. I'm going to turn from my sin every opportunity that I get. When I do something wrong, I want to make it right. When I say something I shouldn't, I want to let that person know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Would you forgive me? And I want to ask God for forgiveness too. Even when the words don't come out of my mouth, but I think thoughts, I'm going to say to God, God, I'm sorry for thinking that. Would you cleanse my mind with your word and help me to be a better man? I'm talking about living a life of repentance. Next, when necessary, make things right with others. I had an awkward conversation with some coworkers. <laughs> I... um. I was in the Navy at the time and I would cuss like a sailor like everybody else did because again, I lived a life of hypocrisy. I grew up in church my whole life but I also went to public high school. <laughs> I rode the bus as a kid. 
Word of advice from a pastor, never let your kids ride the bus to school. Terrible place. Um, was for me at least, put it that way. I learned every wrong thing I should ever have learned in my entire life on the bus as a kid. And so, you know, that continues into my adult life and I get put in a, in a workspace environment where everybody's cussing and I don't think twice about it. If you don't cuss, it's weird. And then when I decided to start walking with Jesus, I realized that my life didn't match up with what God expected of me and I had to make a change. And I say it was an awkward conversation. It was awkward for me. It probably wasn't awkward for anybody else, but I had to go around to my coworkers and say, hey man, I want to let you know that I'm a Christian. And they're like, that's fine, I don't care. I don't do the whole church. No, no, it's not about you, it's about me. I'm a Christian, but I haven't been living like it. I want to tell you that I'm sorry and I'm gonna be making some changes in my life and I just need you to forgive me for that. Whatever, man, you do you, that's fine. Not a big, one other guy said, um, I'm a Christian too and I haven't been living that way and I'm sorry and maybe we could do this thing together. Right on, let's do it. And he and I would try to keep each other accountable. It was awkward, but you know what? I had to make a change. I couldn't live hypocrisy anymore. I couldn't say, well, well, let's make a change and hope people notice. No, no, that's not repentance. Repentance is making things right where you need to make it right. And if there's sin that you need to apologize to somebody for, you might need to make that right with them. Next, identify and eliminate negative influences in your heart. I need to find areas where I'm being pulled off track, whether it's social media, whether it's the movies that I watch, the TV shows that I'm a part of, the people I call friends, the music that I listen to. I'm not gonna allow that to pull my heart off track. Hey, you might say, oh, my, my social media is clean as a whistle. My social media is protected. I don't have, I don't let people see what's on my social media. Now, let me ask you about the people that you follow that you allow to influence you. The people that you desire or aspire to be like. I, I, I can't even do social media anymore because it does something to my heart that's not good. Even when I follow other pastors, I did that for a while, I'm just gonna follow pastors and other guys that love Jesus. I found myself going, oh man, our church isn't that big. Oh man, I've never preached a message like that before. Oh man, he had how many people saved last Sunday? Oh my goodness. And I began to compare. Just be careful. I'm gonna identify and eliminate negative influences in my heart. And finally, I'm gonna cultivate a platform to strongly declare my faith. I'm gonna make it so that it's not weird for me to say I'm a Christian. I'm gonna make it so that I'm not afraid of being found out that I'm a Christian. I'm gonna make it so that when people hear that I'm a Christian, they go, oh, yeah, I could have seen that coming a mile away. And I'm gonna create a platform so that I can tell people about Jesus and they go, that makes sense. I see how that works in your life. I'm not surprised by that. Because at the end of the day, it's not about me, it's all about Jesus. The psalmist here, he says, God, I've lived a right life and I cannot wait to tell other people how good you've been. I got these people that I don't wanna be around, I got these people that I do wanna be around and I wanna tell every single person that I know about how great Jesus is. Most important thing in the world, if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, there's never been a time, a date, a place in your life where you put your faith and trust in Jesus, I would challenge you today Put your faith in Jesus and repent of your sin and be saved. It's the only way you get to go to heaven. It's the only way you get to live a right life. It's the only way you get to be forgiven of what you've done wrong. For those of us that are saved, would you live a consistently Christian life this week?
Thanks for joining us for the Huikala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.